welcome 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 everybody uh hopefully you are doing well as you can see the empty bookshelves they make for a great great background um let's get vocab in here and he was back there picking up some books because he's gonna he's gonna do a little show and tell for us so vocab thanks for joining uh and being on today man uh hope you're doing well um go ahead yes indeed my main man arthur how do i sound man you sound excellent man you got you know Good. you want to do a little spit let's <laughs> just throw this on you on a rap i i'm not gonna I, dude i can't give you a beat because that's not my my stuff but uh if you don't we'll just get going i don't know uh <laughs> one two three Coming through, my man, RTD2. <laughs> We're about to enter the Apologia Center. It's not winter, it's just summer. COVID-19, been a bummer. It's like Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey, vocabulary, legendary, scary. Did I prepare thee? Proper seminary, books and titles. Here's my recital, make it vital. I'm a disciple. Vocab Malone got a rifle called the Bible. Don't trifle. Hello, how we doing? About to ruin all the myths in history. Please listen to me. We're going to bring the facts, you see. One, two, three. Let's begin, G. There we go. That's, that is, bam. We're, we're off to it. Vocab. Um, let us know what's going on with your channel, man. I mean, your channel has been a great source of encouragement for me. It's been a great source of knowledge. Um, uh, predominantly because, listen, I came across Hebrew Israelites on the internet. I didn't even know who they were, right? I was just like, this was on Periscope when Periscope was like going. And I would just do these live streams and I would uh, ask people, hey, let's talk about religion. And then every once in a while and and it actually got really annoying like where i i kept seeing them and i was like oh this is a strange group um and uh you know someone will jump into my stream and say and and you know the, the kind of their usual spiel about you know who the real israelites are and if i know that and all that stuff it's kind of like when joel's witnesses show up at your door and say you know this um memorized kind of thing where they're like hey do you, do, do you have any friends you don't know the names of? And you're like, no. They're like, well, do you know what the name of God is? And, you know, generally people are like, well, God has a name. I thought God's name was God, you know? And uh, yeah. it kind of like when my kids say, hey, you know, your your name is dad. Uh, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. and then, you know, they, they do their whole spiel. And, and I had these Hebrew Israelites jumping in there and saying, yo, um, do you know who the real Israelites are? And I was like, well, I yeah, I think I do. <laughs> and then, you know, you'd get like something coming out of left field. And till I came across your stuff, and actually there was a guy at our church, Derek, and he was like, check out Vocab Malone because he, he does research on it. And then we met up at a conference um, and spoke a lot more. And again, I've been consuming your stuff and um, it's been encouraging. It's been encouraging to a lot of people. So recently your YouTube channel got demonetized for... Which is very ironic because it got it got demonetized or something specific. Let us know what's going on and let us know what like people can do to help out if there is anything people can do. Yeah, well, you know, YouTube um, can deplatform you, which is kick you off YouTube, or they can also demonetize you. Hmm. And so we're glad that we were not deplatformed. We're not glad that we were demonetized, but. You know, things yeah. could be worse, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, we're not the first, you know, 
uh, ministry this has happened to, Dr. Michael Brown, they demonetize his entire channel. Stephen Crowder, local commentator, conservative, they demonetized and then recently re-monetized him. So that's kind of strange uh, thing. And a lot of times it's inexplicit, meaning they don't tell you why and they don't say what for. Um, <laughs> you nice. know, they, they just, they'll just say harmful content. No, you know, that's it. So they, they told me I had harmful content. And so the idea is, Hey, we don't want to have any commercials on any of this. So then, um, you don't get any money for ads. You know, you work hard on a video. It's nice to get ad revenue. It's not going to pay all your bills unless you're major, Yeah. but it helps keep you going. Cause I do things like pay for editors and things like that. And so, uh, it is a major hit because it is a number of things that it does that it affects you. Not just the ads, which you get a very small amount, but it adds up, you know. Also, the super chats, like why you're live, people can help support the broadcast by sending a super chat. Mm -hmm. That's taken away. And oh. something else that I had earned called channel memberships, where people will give a monthly thing via YouTube and they get special YouTube perks on your channel. Like in our case, it was Thundercat emojis and stuff like that. Well... All that's gone. That equals about eleven hundred dollars a month in my Ooh. case. So that's just about about this about the specific average amount amount. Yeah. Uh, that's about the rent, basically. You know. Uh, now, what I say the rent to put it in terms. What I use it though is to pay an editor. So it literally goes right back into it. So I turn it around, and then I'm given every every single week. You know, PayPal, Cash App, different editors. Boom, 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 boom to keep things going, keep it hot, keep it moving. So there's constant content and it's good and it's unique and all that. Well, you know, that get, gets taken away, wiped out. Right. And then, uh, you know, I have a, I have a job, so it ain't like uh, YouTube's my full time. So obviously, Hey, we'll just pick up more hours at work. Of course that's true. Praise God. However, that defeats part of the whole reason of what you're doing on YouTube. You're there to spend time to make videos, to invest. Cause you know, it's important now because people are turning there for answers about life and everything else. And all of a sudden, the activist of some political cause that YouTube is friendly towards, they're being promoted, even though, you know, you watch it or whatever, and you're like, yo, they're sexualizing children in this. Uh -huh. They're they're teaching children how to do perverse things. They're, they're targeting children with really uh, gross content, and YouTube ends up promoting it because the causes align with the preferred activism of the day. And then you are over here saying, hey, the Hebrew Israelites are anti-Semitic, and we need to stand against that. Hey, the Quran, under certain interpretations from certain Muslims that live in our world today, is is hateful towards those outside of the religion and those who try to leave the religion, and women. And and so you stand against that. Now, that's that's not all I'm doing. I'm not just an activist. I'm a I'm an evangelist. I'm an that's apologist. Right. Now, I do so with comedy and different things like that, which is uh, part of apparently the problem. But—, but uh, at the end of the day, it's it's bigger than that. But trying to put it in terms that sort of YouTube could understand or whatever. It's like, hey, you guys aren't for anti-Semitism, so anti-Semitism should be able to be critiqued, right? So uh, it's difficult. You can kind of speculate about exactly what it was. But I could tell you one thing is uh, YouTube started noticing that I was uploading our satirical series called Islamicize Me. Now, I didn't even try to monetize Islamicize Me. Hmm. Uh, you can choose to monetize it or not. I choose on all of them. I chose on all of them not to even try to monetize it. But they ended up blocking one before it was even published. So it wasn't even out on the internet. It was just in my little queue. And they said, this is hate speech. Da, da, da. And it was the one where David Wood and I and John McCray of What Do You Mean 
in character as Muslims confront literal real Hebrew Israelites on the street. That was a brilliant episode, man. (laughs) I agree. It was epic. So it's kind of like meta stuff. You know, it's trolling. It's YouTube friendly. It should be because it's like crazy stuff that people do. But yet it's actually real in the sense of the stuff we're saying. And so we go out there and we just say, you know, a lot of it's like these men do not know how to pee properly because the Hadith (laughs) tell you about how to pee. Or you'll meet the punishment of the grave. These are the things in the literature of Islam that uh, Muhammad said. And so we were out there confronting them on that. Now, they were perplexed. It was really funny, right? There was nothing. And part of what we do is we also critique their racist tendencies. Yeah. Well, that got taken down as considered hate speech and this and that. And I think YouTube, I'm going to say they didn't, the, the reviewers didn't understand it was satire or something like that. So he edited a version and made it clear that it was satire, whatever, whatever. And shortly after that, all of a sudden... You get this email and you just demonetize. It says you're out of the YouTube partner program. So people are like, ah, Stu, people have tried to do stuff like this before. It gets thrown out because at the end of the day, courts usually say um, – and also you got to have a lot of money. You're going to fight Google. I mean that's who, that's who owns YouTube, right? <laughs> yeah. You know I mean practically speaking. That's at the right. end of the day, judges say, hey, you know, regardless of if there's a double standard – or whatever, or their rules are clear, unclear, confusing. At the end of the day, they they can decide who they want to put on their stuff or not. That's right. Right. And so a lot of courts, from the cases I've seen, they don't even want to hear it. So it's not even really, you know, it's just not like that. So um, I immediately said, hey, everybody, here's what's going on. Of course, Hebrews, lights, and Muslims cheer, oh, yeah. right? And, th- and then, um, and that's fine. Okay, I, you know, I'm not looking for sympathy about it. But uh, you do need support in a time like that because it's a massive shift in, in everything. And not only that, when they demonetize you, they derank you because you're not making the money anymore. So they, they derank you in the algorithm. So that means less views as that's well. That's the problem. That's, that's the major problem. Yeah. So it just it adds up. Everything is problematic. So then uh, people have been awesome, though. A bunch of new people have stepped up, and I'm going to end – here, I'm so sorry if I went too long. No, 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 go for Patreon. it. Patreon.com/focab. Yeah. A bunch of people have stepped up. We have reached about a little bit over now 25% of the goal that we need to get for monthly support on Patreon to make up for the what YouTube did. So we're about 25% of the way there. I'm praying we get 75% rest and then have 100% covered. So we're that's one way where people have been helping them they're coming on and say, "Look, I used to give to super chats." I used to watch your videos, so that means I would see the ads. I used I was a channel member. I can't do mm-hmm. that anymore. I'm now a uh, part of your squad, patreon.com slash vocab. And uh, I put out a lot of exclusive the link, content. The link for there. that, by the way, the link for that will be in the description box. I'm going to put Dang, Vocab's thanks. Uh, you know, Patreon account there. So if anybody's watching this, whether it's now or whatever, uh, whenever you are, if you want to support the work that Vocab does, because his, the work that you do, Vocab, is so unique. Nobody is doing it. Nobody in the Christian world is dealing with these folks like it, that's just the reality of it right like that that's um that, that's why i want people to support you not that i don't want people to support other people right including right. myself uh but um it, it's very important uh what you're doing and when we need literature out there you've written on the subject um i will also put up in the description box a way they can get your book there it is probably grabbing it um so there it is, right? And we'll put the link to that in the description box as well. That's another way you can be supporting vocab and supporting yourself in learning this content and knowing how to deal with Hebrew Israelites. 
Um, it, it is called, uh, hey, what up, Cody? Uh, there's a number of people in here. Just want to give a shout out. Uh, it seems like there's a group in Palm Springs that are watching this and Derek's in that group. Derek, what up? Um, so, uh, and that group. <laughs> and thanks for watching, guys. Appreciate it. Make sure you guys write, write your comments in here for vocab. We'll, we'll throw those out there um, as, as we have time. Okay, let's just jump into this, okay? Um, oh, I want to mention one other thing. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, go for it. Uh, also, if you go on GoFundMe, there's a campaign called Street Apologist 2020. Street Apologist Strong 2020. And it was started by my main man, Nate, in the Northwest. Shout out to him. He's part of the squad. And the idea there is between Patreon and the uh, the GoFundMe campaign, because the GoFundMe campaign is designed to keep us strong for the rest of the year. So the 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 what they've yanked away, sure, it's a it, it'll be available through GoFundMe. Oh, uh, you just it's Street Apologist Strong 2020. If you just put in vocab Malone on GoFundMe, yeah. you'll be able to find it. Again, so all, those all are of the these ways. will be all of these will be in the description box. The, Excellent. Like, and then I have a subscribe star count to subscribe star uh, dot com slash uh, vocab Malone. It's a less PC version of Patreon. And then, of course, some people just use the cash app or PayPal. Yeah. And uh, so those, those are the ways. And so uh, it's 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 been tricky. But one good thing about it, Art, is it's made us uh, as, a, as a ministry using social media try to become more strategic, not that we've nailed it or are perfect. And so uh, doing more short videos, and I've had a lot of volunteer editors actually step up, three nice. people in, in particular. Shout out to Andrea, Eliza, and Hidden Apologetics, and looks like some maybe some more on the way. And they're, they're stepping up uh, to, to provide like little clips and content. And so we're trying to make more shareable content to kind of overcome the hurdle of them deranking this in algorithm and different things like that. So trying to get more strategic and see what happens there. So... That's that. We'll find out what goes down. Excellent. Excellent. And again, for, for those who aren't aware of vocab, that, that's part of the reason why we asked this question and for you guys to become aware. Uh, maybe some of the people watching right now or will watch later don't know what vocab does and how important it is, uh, especially if you live in big cities, especially if you live in big cities in the United States. Okay. And we'll talk about why that's the case. Okay. So Hebrew Israelites, I titled this video, Hebrew Israelites, what do they want? Um, and I really mean that. Like, what is it that they really want, man? Um, where, where did they come from, right? So um, give us a quick historical background on them, their, like, real history. We'll talk about alternate history as well. But um, uh, how did they come about? What is it? And why has it even been growing uh, in the last, whatever, like in the YouTube age, uh, in the last 10 years or so? Um, yeah, it definitely has uh, skyrocketed. In the last 10 years or so, uh, they would say we want to be recognized for who we really are as the actual blood descendants of the Israelites. We're the chosen people of God. We want to be recognized as who we really are and stop being lied to and stop being told lies about and just recognize that. If you said, sort of, what do they want? They're not like the nation of Islam. The nation of Islam, a offshoot of a really Moorish uh, science temple, more so than even Islam, and certain understandings of Christianity started there in Detroit in 1930. They publish a magazine still to this day called The Final Call, and it'll say, what do the Muslims want? Now, they mean nation of Islam Muslims, who are not really real Muslims. Yeah. But nonetheless, they talk about a separate uh, country, 
you know, uh, a couple parts in the South separated out that so-called white America supports for a while and then being able to have their own nation of Islam, right? So it, most Hebrew Israelites don't want that. So sometimes in the news, Arthur, you'll see um, them say this separatist group. Well, if they mean separatist in that way, that's not accurate. If they mean some Hebrew Israelites are separatists in the sense that they uh, don't believe in so-called intermarriage, say, you know, with white folks or something like that, then that's true. But I don't know if that's uh, if that's an accurate thing. So they're, they're not separatists in that way. And they're nationalists, but not nationalistic mm. in, some of, in, in some of the other ways people understand it. So they're a little bit different than a lot of things that have come before them, and yet they're a mixture of a lot of things that have come before them. So they would say, we just want to be recognized for who we are and stop being lied about and being lied to and unfairly uh, treated uh, as as God's people. You know, uh, I think that's really what they would say. And then they would say, we want freedom to be able to teach our own people the law, statutes, and commandments uh, of the Most High, because that's our culture. And that's why, if you notice, it is interesting, even though they don't want their own geographical area, they do. A lot of the groups have the name Nation. Yeah. Or something like that in their name. Uh, it's 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 an interesting thing, you know what I'm saying? So uh, because they do view themselves as building up something separate from uh, larger mainstream society, sort of almost like a nation within the nation, and they think eventually that will be made right when um, uh, Jesus comes back and sets things right. Now I say Jesus, that's to the messianic types. There are some Arthur. Hebrew Israelites who are non-Messianic, so hmm. uh, they have a little bit different thing going on. And uh, most of what I've said so far is true about really all Hebrew Israelites. Uh, there can be more separations and distinctions I can make about specific groups there, but uh, it's pretty generally true about most of the groups out there in general. Yeah, so this is the difficulty, right? Because uh, depending on the different camps um, uh, one belongs to, they actually have theological differences. So it's not necessarily mm -hmm. as united as it gets presented. And I guess that makes your work very difficult because uh, you're not talking about like one specific um, uh, belief system. And it could be the case when you're criticizing stuff where somebody jumps in there and says, oh, we don't believe that. That's not true. Volkov's a liar. You know, he's He's, he's from the devil or whatever, you know, the, he's the mm. devil, you know, and it's like, well, no, but one of your groups does. So it's not as united as it seems, right? That, that's, a, that's a fair, accurate uh, assessment. Of the yeah, very diverse, very diverse. But there are, I would usually say, about four common beliefs. I say they, they hold them together. Okay. Um, and I would say that, that that's these things. Uh, with, with that Number 12 one. tribe? Oh, go ahead. Okay, yeah. No, you're listing them. List them. List them. That, 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 that's very important. The answer to that's no. No, so list them. Please list the four kind of uh, main beliefs because that's, that's my next question. Yeah, the 12, so. yeah, 12 tribes chart is, uh, is actually not, you know, they don't all hold to that. So, uh, but here's the things they do hold to. At the very least, at the very least, descendants of enslaved persons in America are the true biblical Israelites, at the least. I say at the least because some will add other groups on as well, hmm. other peoples. But at the least, they all agree to that, okay? These are the things everyone, uh, the, every group of every type holds in common. Number two, number two, 
modern day Drew, modern day Jews are 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 imposters in some way. Uh, they're ethnic and religious, uh, in essence, frauds. Some of the groups, every now and then, it's very rare, will say, yes, it's true they're not really the Jews, but um, they've upheld the banner of, of God's word in Judaism, so they'll be given a special place as Gentiles. That's only one group I know about that says that. That's the African Hebrews, lights of Jerusalem, who actually live in Demona, Israel. Mm. So they're a little more like friendly towards Israelites or Israelis yeah. and uh, people of that descent. All the other groups say, nah, like th this is the synagogue of Satan trying to steal our stuff. They're the Amalekites or something like that. So uh, that, so those are the two things so far. Three, God cares about your ethnic lineage. And when I say cares, it affects the way you stand before him. Whether you can teach certain peoples is based upon whether you're an Israelite or not. Hmm. Uh, whether in some of the group's mind, whether you can even be a candidate for salvation. But notice I just said all the groups hold in common that God cares. It affects your standing, who your father is in essence. Yeah. All of them agree to that, even though there's variations in how that's worked out. But we, we would say, you know, there's no advantage to uh, a person that— that is one descent over another in the new covenant. At least I think that's what people should be saying. Uh, not that God doesn't recognize it, but there's, it doesn't give anyone an advantage in his sight, right? Okay, fourthly, lastly, all the groups have a strong emphasis on what they call law-keeping. Hmm. Now, they don't really keep the law. They're not really keeping the law, but that's what they claim they're doing. So you could call it a strong emphasis on legalism, strong emphasis on moralism. You could say uh, they all have a Judaizing tendency, but in some way there's a focus on Old Testament law, almost as if we're in the Old Covenant. And a lot of them kind of claim that we are in the Old Covenant. And so those are the four things, right? Uh, descendants, transatlantic slave trade, modern-day Jews are fakes, God cares about your dad. That's a good <laughs> Keep the law. Hey, that's a nice book title, by the way. God cares about your dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so this is uh, it, it got me thinking about this question. Uh, do they, like a lot of other cults, um, still believe in uh, modern day revelation? What I mean, like for example, Mormons, right? More Mormons throughout history right. have had these prophets, and then um, will will get new revelation. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses have done this too, right? Where the Watchtower mm -hmm. has actually said, "Well, yeah, that stuff we said, you know." <laughs> Oops, mm -hmm. <laughs> depending on how they want to go about it. So um, are they changing? Like are, are maybe, uh, you know, because usually groups like this start very uh, in-house and then mm -hmm. as society starts interacting with them and stuff and criticizing them and then the folly and the silliness of their arguments starts coming out and their beliefs, they could change it up. So are Hebrew Israelites a group of that sort or no? Do they kind of... Uh, take a more defensive stand where they go back, put shields down, and they're like, okay, this this is where we are. Like, this is Satan attacking us or something like that. Um, I would say that all the Hebrews-like groups, uh, in some way along their history, have some kind of really uh, authoritative, definitive prophet or set of prophets who they believe are giving revelation in some way. Um, but... What's happening now is 
that's changing depending on the group. Hey, real quick, Detter Zillowhawk says you should look into debating the Mormon apologist Kwaku L. And I think he's I think that uh, Detter's talking to you. But yeah. I actually want to tell Detter I am debating Kwaku at the end of September. Nice. There we go. I forget the exact <laughs> date. Uh, but if you look up Kwaku, Kwaku L and Vocab Malone, we're debating on is the Athanasian Creed true or not. Nice. Yeah. That'd be there interesting. You go. So I am debating there you Kwaku. Go. Yeah. Uh, so so I'll give you an example of what I mean. Uh, there is a, a group called GMS, Great Millstone. They refer to their leaders as prophets and elders and apostles. Hmm. And they they would say uh, that those guys have special uh, discernment and abilities, especially the leaders. And so they will do things like be able to read spirits is what they call it. Now, this is specifically GMS, okay? Yeah. They read spirits and can tell if a person is an ethnic Israelite or not. And so they do that because they have a doctrine that a modern-day Israelite can look like anybody, although most of them look like they're Native American, black, or Hispanic. They could actually look white or whatever else, Asian. And the GMS leadership claims the ability to read the spirits of the person to know if they're an Israelite. So that's an example uh, but then going back to the mid-90s, a lot of the groups that you see on the street now come from a school that was once located in Harlem, New York, 1 West, 125th Street, right? And at that school, they were united, and they had something called the Seven Heads. And the Seven Heads of this school in Harlem, they, they definitely claimed a strong prophetic ability, especially a guy named Arya. And so Arya, who is still alive, incidentally— made three major things I would speak about in relationship to continuing revelation. Hmm. One is he claimed he received the 12 tribes chart. Uh, there was sort of a divine revelation uh, given to him by the Lord mixed with studying. Now there's evidence that's out there that's contrary to that, that it was his mentor or teacher who actually developed the initial 12 tribes chart. Hmm. So there's some conflict in the history between the contemporaries of of uh, the man who taught Arya and Arya and his followers. There's a there's somewhat of a disconnect. But Arya is credited by most with the 12 tribes chart, and he certainly is the one who popularized it. So the 12 tribes chart is a combination of divine revelation, and they'll say when the Lord gave it to him, but then they'll say he was studying. So it's like it's this mixture. The language, Lashuan Quidash, that's a specialized Hebraic pronunciation that is fabricated, and what they say there is that a, a man in a gray suit uh, was who's supposed to be, uh, I guess, a black angel or whatever, this man in the gray, gray suit, he came into Arya's kitchen as he was studying Hebrew and started speaking this language to him and gave it to him. So that's another example. And then Arya also received the revelation, Arthur, about Yahawashai. That's what this particular section of Hebrews lights calls Jesus, okay? Only talking about one group, but they're usually... The guys on the street corners all go back to this school I'm talking mm. about right now. Uh, the last thing is they claimed Yahushai was coming back in 1999-2000 at the latest. Uh -huh. and of course, that did not happen, and they went to the Book of Jonah to try to make the excuse there. And so you have that going on. The, the teachers of IUIC, that's the purple and gold guys, they claim they're prophets, although it's rare that they sort of make prophetic announcements at IUIC, but they will single-handedly change a doctrine. Nate recently, that's a leader, Nathaniel, of IUIC, he recently, when I say recently, past five years, uh, made a couple major changes within IUIC's theological perspective 
that he really just did on the sheer force of his own sort of cult of personality, hmm. to be honest, to be frank with you, you know. And so uh, you have that kind of thing. So it's not identical to Joseph Smith with most of the groups. Uh, most of them don't have that. But even the Mormons themselves, who will claim continuing revelation today, really, honestly, it's a bunch of old men who write generic, generalized statements about Mormon doctrine these yeah. days. Yeah. Very rarely do they say anything earth-shattering that's like really what Joseph Smith was doing, say, at the King Follett discourse, when Smith was like, I'm going to pull back the veil and tell you about how God really is. You know, this is what he was claiming he was doing. It's not a trinity. That's a monster of a God. I mean, I don't know what Joseph Smith sounded. Okay, I'm just telling you, you know, this radical pronouncements and plural marriage exists in heaven. And so That's we right. got to have plural marriage, too. And so give me your wives and, uh, you know, okay. Or, or Muhammad. You know, you, yeah. you get like this kind of cooling down effect. And so you kind of have that. But the Hebrewites, you kind of never know because they will kind of claim they believe the Bible. But then you have these other things. And it's like, well, how do you know that? Oh, well, my spirit told me or the hmm. prophet told me. And, and there's literally cases. Now, this is not everybody. I, I want to end here. Get the idea that it's a mixed bag. <laughs> there was a guy and uh, he was being pressed on. Why do you believe the 12 tribes chart? And... uh and uh, through, through a long series of things that really showed the 12 tribes chart is a joke, the guy says, well, the guy who taught me believes in it, and huh. so I believe in it. He's like, yeah, but that's not good enough. He's like, but, but hold up. He's like, you don't understand, though. This guy can see chariots. Wait, what do you mean? The chariots have appeared to him as confirmation of his status. And so that's how I know the 12 tribes chart issues, because chariots have appeared to him. Now, when I say chariots, Arthur, I mean UFOs. They believe that UFO sightings are the chariots manned by black angels ready to destroy America and all that. Now, again, this is specifically one West type Hebrews lights, one particular theological fragment, okay? Uh, but that's a real thing. And if you go right now, follow me on Twitter at Vocab Malone. My about two or three tweets ago, I tweeted a group of Hebrews lights who literally said they saw the chariots. And they were losing their minds. I don't know if you guys have ever seen, like, in an American context, like when the Boston Red Sox win something, uh, the Boston fans, like, storm the streets and go crazy and turn over cars. Your team won. What do you got? Why are you destroying your city? You know, I'm stereotyping Boston sports fans because they do this here in the United States. They act crazy That's when right. they win with something big, right? Well, uh, the Hebrewsites, were, they weren't turning over their cars, but this group that saw the chariots in the sky, which is some just light or whatever, they lost their mind on the level of Boston sports fans. And oh, wow. I got the a minute and a half clip on my Twitter. You can see what I'm talking about. Okay. And so uh, you do have a lot of this going on. But at the end of the day, if you really pressed them, they'd say, Vocab, you just, you know, we just base everything on the word of God. Vocab, you're just trying to make us look bad. That's what they would say. And if they heard my response to your question, they'd say, no, we base everything on the word of God, Vocab. You're yeah. the one who does it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so someone, do you think the big uh, black Hebrew Israelites are a cult? I think so. And I think Vocab thinks so as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I put it this way, though. Some are more cult-like than others. That's right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And I, I recognize that. And, you know, I, I, something strange about that. Let me just say this just to help us think about this together. Just because something is called a cult by somebody else does not necessarily entail that it's false. We just need to understand that. A cult has a certain kind of sociological connotation. That's right. It's, it's viewed as a pejorative. But it is true that even now, today in 2020, certain governments look at specifically evangelicals as cults. That's right. In modern-day France, in modern-day France, uh, 
the, 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 the government recognizes, even though they're a secular government, they recognize the historical pedigree in their mind of the Catholic Church. And there's sort of a, a strange relationship between very secular France and actual real still living and breathing Roman Catholics there in France. But there's sort of a level of respect with some of them. Um, some other groups, same thing, even, to be honest, Islam. When it comes to evangelicals, and especially, say, if you're a Pentecostal or charismatic, they view you really as, as like these these are cultic-like groups. And so the reason I know that is because I got some missionary friends there, and they they encounter the red tape of the French bureaucracy, and it's much worse for them because they're not viewed as an established religion, and yeah. it's very difficult to become considered established. And if you're not like considered established now, there's more technical things to it. They literally like won't let you really do anything. Yeah, it's hard same, to rent a building, by the way, that, you know? that's the same case in Armenia. Oh, okay. So you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so, so the historic Armenian church is the Armenian Apostolic Church. And mm. um, even though the government's been uh, a bit different on this recently, uh, but the Armenian Apostolic Church actually doesn't really recognize, especially, especially, um, the Pentecostal charismatic type. Um, and they, they will say things like, oh, they are a cult. And they, they, as a matter of fact, in Armenian, they use the word heretic, uh, which is even <laughs> worse. Um, but then you ask them, okay, so what heresy do they believe? Like, do they deny the Trinity? Do they, you know, here are the fundamental, right. do, do they deny the virgin birth? It's like, oh, no, they don't. So, so what makes them heretical? Well, they, mm -hmm. you might not agree with their practices, but it, it essentially comes down to, well, they're not a part of the, Armenian Apostolic Church. But if that's the definition we're using, then the whole Eastern Orthodox Church is a heretical group, and, and so are Catholics, and then mainline Protestants. So, you know, the, 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 this is the case in a lot of the world, ladies and gentlemen, where, um, and uh, so we have to be very careful on how we use the word cult. And, and something can be orthodox in belief system, by the way, and be cultish, right? Like, yeah, like you can have a local orthodox church. Islam, some Orthodox Islam. Orthodox. Yeah. So you can, um, for example, you could be a church, a Christian uh, church, that is Orthodox in its beliefs, but functions very much like a cult in the sense of they don't allow their church members to interact with other people. They might not allow their church members to marry people from other churches, other Christian churches. This does happen around the world. So... Um, I mean, uh, the way you go about this is developing dialogue. And for example, a lot of people and a lot of groups in the Armenian context are trying to develop dialogue with the Apostolic Church and actually, um, and then there's a lot of friendliness. I mean, I, I, that was a generalizing statement I made, by the way. But uh, for example, in Armenia, if you're not a part of the Apostolic Church, then you can't do certain ministries in public places and in university campuses. That's just the reality of the situation here in Armenia. Um, yes, so I, similar, you know, and I bring that up not to discount the question, mm -hmm. but just to help us realize merely saying something is a cult or cultic or something like that, we got to understand doesn't necessarily talk, speak to the truth value of it. And of course, early Christians were considered essentially a cult by Rome. That's right. Um, and so a lot of newer. I'm still okay with using the word cult, even though I don't use it a lot because I, I don't want to short circuit people's thinking on the issue yeah. you know what i mean um but like the uh, a lot of religious researchers use this generic term now it's called nrms they, they abbreviate it with all caps and it, it stands for new religious movements which mm. is kind of a meaningless term a new religious movement but that's the way they do it and they view it as they're refraining from making a value judgment uh, but 
when we talk about cultic practices, like you mentioned, you could be orthodox in your theology, say a Christian church, but be cultic in the sense of some of the practices. A lot of the Hebrews like groups do those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So I know uh, a couple where the the woman after a while left IUYC. That's the purple and gold guys. Uh, they're originally based out of New York. They're growing in West Africa, believe it or not. Hmm. They, um, they, she, the the woman and the man joined IUIC. I think they've been there three or four years, and eventually the wife realized it wasn't biblical. So she didn't say she was going to divorce her husband or anything like that. She just said, "I I cannot attend anymore," and it caused a lot of friction. But uh, you know, she's not attending now. The 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 Hebrews like meetings on Saturday. The response from the leadership was to demote the man's rank. So they stand him up in front of the congregation. Wow. They say, basically, the short version is, hey, your wife sucks. And so uh, you're getting demoted back down to, because rank is very important to these guys. The more organized group, specifically IUIC, demote him back down. Now, in one way, you kind of feel bad for the guy, right? You're like, oh, man. Uh, but actually, we're, we should be, in a way, you're also glad, like, let the, let him see the way they really treat people and maybe want to get the heck out of there and realize yeah. it's cultic, that kind of level of control. Because the, what they're doing, though, they're telling him, get your household in order, and if you can't do it within a year, divorce her. That's what they, that's what they, that's what they say in IUIC. Again, I'm reiterating. I am specifically talking about one Hebrew Israelite group, but that is clearly cultic behavior. There's another group called Straightway Truth Ministries. A lot of people see them and say, look, they've got white members. They must be okay. Since when did having white members in your group, when was that the like sign of if you're cool or not, right? Who cares if they have white members? Like, so what? Jim Jones had a diverse following, and uh, so did uh, David Koresh. You know? doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't, it's not about the color of the folks in the group, really, as far as like if you're cool. So uh, straightway truth, they do cultic things as well. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, now, the problem is they'll say it's a lie, but they won't tell you what the truth is. So I'm just telling you what ex-members say. And if ex-members are wrong, all we know is multiple ex-members say the same thing. So maybe one day we'll find out. But unless the group tells us what they do, then we can't know except for what ex-members say. So straightway we'll say, that's not true. But it's like, well, why do your ex-members say this? But you won't tell us what the real truth is. So how are we, how are we supposed to proceed? But ex-members say that they pull your checks. You have to give your checks to the one guy because you live there communally there in Tennessee and they all give your checks to the one guy. And then he's kind of, they're, they're kind of in charge of distributing it back out, for example. And, uh, they will tell you basically they have to like bless marriages. Hmm. And there's guys who have marriages been denied. There's even some evidence of, of people in, in leadership taking other people's wives. Uh, and this is all within a group there. And there's a number of other really strange, uh, things that are clearly very cultic or cult like, right? The way Pastor Dow is even treated, he emasculates uh, people. So, so there are a lot of cultic tendency within a lot of the groups. And some Hebrew Israelites aren't even recognize this. And so now more and more we're finding what some people call uh, internet-only Israelites or Hebrew individualites. They're just online doing the computer thing because they don't want to join up with any camp. I've seen and that. So they'll, yeah. And when you meet— yeah, they'll say, We're, I'm not like those other guys, but they, they kind of believe the same things. They just don't like the organized part of it. So you're seeing more yeah. and more of that as the idea spreads. But God bless those folks. They're still Hebrew Israelites, though. Their ideas, they still embrace Hebrew Israelism, but they're not, they don't like the cultic aspect themselves. So they don't want to join the camps. Yeah, yeah. Or they make it like, this is me and my family or something like that. Like, I, I, I'm the priest of yeah. my family. And, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So here's a question from Jasmine. She says, um, what are these camps? Are they similar to our Christian denominations? Uh, the way I've heard them described, they seem like places people live. Am I wrong? Well, uh, depends. To, I mean, depends where you live, Jasmine. If you lived in Tennessee, like where I was just describing, the straightway ministry truth is a literal physical location there. And there's a, a, at least 150. We don't know the exact numbers, but they, that's how many they usually have in most Sunday services or Saturday services. I can't believe I said that. Because <laughs> um, they, they kind of look like a church. Pastor Dow, straightway ministry truth. They're, they don't look as Hebrew Israelitish, mm. But um, that's a, a physical, real location where people come and they move. That's not what most of them are doing. Camp is roughly equivalent to denomination, but it's different for a variety of reasons, but it's roughly different. So they dress differently. Uh, they have different traditions and innovations. They have different leadership. And uh, depending on the camp, they're friendly towards other camps or they're not friendly towards other camps. Uh -huh. That's a very interesting thing to see is how they relate to each other as well. So like ISUPK, they're the guys who dress in all black leather, camo, uh, boots, a lot of leather straps. Are those the, are, are, sorry, I, I'm going to cut you off. Are those the guys that were recently like marching the streets in the United States? No. All like armed. They, that wasn't them. Okay. They actually do dress somewhat similar as them, except that's the NFAC. The NFAC doesn't do the, 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 the spikes and stuff as okay. much. Uh, I, ISPK refers to the process of, of getting your wardrobe together as getting studded up because they wear spike studs. Now <laughs> NFAC is the not beep beep censored, uh, not effing around coalition and they are led by a man who is influenced by Hebrew Israelism. But I did a whole show on this showing that he himself should not properly be classified as a Hebrew Israelite proper because he's a syncretist mixing and matching different beliefs together. However, his Hebrew Israelism influence cannot be discounted. And that's why when they were about to march up the, the, the mountain there, uh, Stone Mountain, where the KKK was rebirthed, when they're about to march up to it, he grabs the, the, the uh, bullhorn and he gives a little speech, right? And his, his speech was uh, – let me see. It was a little bit like this. The 12 tribes of – Hold on, let me. Well, I got an effect. Watch this. Hold on, watch this. Watch, 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 watch. The twelve tribes of Hebrew. <laughs> uh, I can't. Uh, the Israel. We know we are the twelve tribes. Whatever. Okay, my effects aren't working as much as I want them to. But anyways, he 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 gives a little spiel that's doused in Hebrew Israelite rhetoric before they march up there. But everyone there is not a Hebrew Israelite. There are Hebrew Israelites there, but a lot of Hebrew Israelites were against that. Uh, kind of armed militia group. They don't think it's a good idea. Um, so the NFAC is not ISUPK. So ISUPK, though, they say they're the home of the truth. Home of the truth. And they'll say uh, if it's not of ISUPK, it's not of the most high. And well, they'll say... So they're very exclusive. Incredibly exclusive. Yeah. They actually have... You know those things in the beginnings of videos or whatever say... You know, trained professionals don't try this at home. <laughs> they they literally have that at the beginning of their videos. Oh. And what they're saying is, like, you have to be trained by us. Like, we are the ones who do this. And in interviews, they'll say things like, the, the most high is not dealing with any other camp, and y'all know it. You know, stuff like that. Mm. And they say that their leader, General Yohanna, is second only to Christ. Second only to Christ. Okay. And so— um, very exclusive. But then you have a group like Danya Allah's group 
Danya Allah's group, he's a, he's an older head. He's been around for a minute. He doesn't look old, uh, but I'm, he's been in the Hebrews like thing since a teenager. Their group really makes a lot of efforts to kind of be try to be friendly with a whole bunch of groups. So he's very ecumenical, hmm. trying to always reach out and build and this and that. Uh, Israel, Christ, these are groups that try to be somewhat ecumenical with others. So it depends. You know, they don't all play nice. Some do play nice. And um, they they fracture real quick, though, I'll tell you that, because they argue over everything, to be frank with you. Okay, okay. Okay, so Ida is asking for people who joined date. Can we uh, talk about what this is about? This is about Hebrew Israelites. The the Hebrew Israelite, or some uh, they don't like this, but Black Hebrew Israelitism, or Black Hebrew Israelites. You'll usually come across them on the internet. And again, if you want content on this stuff, check out Vocab's channel. He will educate you on this and how to respond and what their beliefs and all that stuff is. Um, in major cities, um, uh, especially New York, uh, you're you're gonna come across them on street corners. Some of them. Uh, and then online uh, someone asked uh, what are the main camps in i think it was houston no uh, i think they said dallas dallas sorry yeah <laughs> yeah fort worth dallas area what are the main yeah. camps there so i went to dallas uh i'm losing track of time now but a summer or two ago, I don't even know. I'm losing track of time, but but when I went there, uh, I dealt with a lot of the Dallas camps, and so uh, I would say Dallas, Texas, is probably you know I could be wrong because I don't have numbers on this sure. exactly, but as far as the amount of camps and groups, it's probably one of the top ten most active cities in the United States for Hebrew Israelites. Okay. You know, uh, it might be number ten, but it's definitely it's definitely uh, up okay. there. I think because there's so many. So Sakari, named after Jewish assassins. Sakari, Daylight assassins. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seriously. Sakari has a Dallas camp there. Yeah. They meet, I think, every Monday by the giant yeah. eyeball in downtown Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. GMS Dallas has a rather large presence. And I did a number of videos with GMS Dallas. Just put in vocab alone GMS Dallas. And you'll find them and they usually are out on Saturdays. Um who else is there? Uh, the uh, uh, GOCC, I believe, is there. I think Israel of God has a small presence. Um, uh, you go down the list and you realize there's a lot of of, uh, of Dallas camps. IUIC, again, purple and gold guys, they've got actually a little building there, and they also got to go out on the street. And there's a whole list uh, of groups that are out and about in Dallas, uh, like all the time it seems like somebody somewhere but but uh those are some of the groups i know uh i hope that that helps uh, i wonder is the person actually in dallas that's interesting if they are but just watch some of the videos and you'll be able to see some of the locations if you just put in vocab malone dallas the most unique group in dallas and all this will be the last question i'll say about this is called one body in yahawashai one body in yahawashai is led by an elder he's an older man used to be an IUIC, and then they left, and instead of purple and gold, they kind of adopted a black and white schema, and they kind of dress a little bit, some of them, especially the main guy, like WWE wrestlers, and it's fascinating, and they love yelling, real amped, real hyped, and uh, they're out there in Oak Cliff, so if you know Dallas area, Oak Cliff is where things are very real, I'll put it that way. And uh, they go downtown mm. and do their thing. And there's a video of us actually going to their headquarters. I saw that. And they yeah. come out and talk to us. And, man, it's a crazy video. He's like, you're going to be my slave, okay? And I'm like, 
Oh, you know, I asked him about, like, are they going to destroy infants? He's like, yeah. I was like, are you, are you guys going to kill white babies? We got to smash their heads, vocab! <laughs> You know, it's, it's really funny. Uh, so, yeah, just put in vocab Malone, Hebrew Zites, Dallas, and you'll find a bunch of videos, and you'll be able to see what I'm talking about firsthand. Yeah. Um, I want to ask one final question that the audience asked, and then I want to go into some historical stuff, if that's okay. Someone asked, are black Hebrew Zites or Hebrew Zites, are they da dangerous? That's a very general question, and we got to be careful with this. But um, tell us what's gone on <laughs> recently. Well, their ideas are certainly dangerous. Yeah. Super dangerous. We talk about living in a divided age, United States of America being divided more and more along ethnic and social lines. Now, obviously, there's a whole history, but it kind of like when it seems like we could have been making progress as like a regression, you know, so I'm not saying the past. So obviously, uh, it's better now than it was, but there's also things that need to improve. But anyways, with all that tension, Hebrews lights like throwing gasoline onto a fire hmm. because they're like, hey, we're the chosen people. These other guys are frauds. The other guys are uh, oppressors, and they're going to be our slaves in the future. Now, these are the One West guys on the corner that say some of this stuff that I'm talking about, you know what I mean? Um, but, but the message is is bad. Even the guys that are nature and friendly, they're like, hey, uh, you guys are basically second-class citizens within our religion, right? That's right? So that's supposed to be the moderates. You know, come on in, call us brother. But stay in your place, homie. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, they, they preach a message that is very ethnocentric and, and a lot of times basically supremacist. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's dangerous. That's bad. That doesn't help anything. It doesn't help society cogeal. It doesn't help our neighborhoods. It doesn't help our communities. They're dangerous to neighborhoods or communities because of that, because of the bad ideas. They're poisonous and toxic. Also, families. You got – Almost all these groups teach polygamy, which they call polygyny because it's men only. IUIC is an exception. They don't teach polygyny. But IUIC does teach if your wife is of the wrong ethnic group and you come join our religion, you have to divorce her right away. So splitting families. If your wife doesn't get with a doctrine after a year, even if she is the right ethnicity, divorce her after a year. Marry a sister within our group. That's not helpful to the community. That's not helpful to families. You got GMS, which says – Sex equals marriage, so whoever you have sex with is who you're married to, and they believe in polygamous marriage, so you can just—it's <laughs> like open season, right? You know what I'm saying? When, when it, like as far as GMS's beliefs, so yeah. clearly dangerous, right? In that manner of speaking, if people mean violent, you can go online and find a bunch of videos when these guys are out at camp of them hitting, slapping, body slamming. Um, people spitting on them, chasing them. You can find a lot of this, okay? Yeah. Um, generally, it's not what they're out there mainly to do, but the nature of what they say along with how they react to people's reactions uh, leads towards a lot of this stuff. And so it's very unhelpful. Every now and then, you get a lone wolf who says, I'm going to take these ideas and put them into action now and does become murderous. Yeah. Uh, it's rare, but it does happen, and I'm predicting, hoping that I'm wrong. As humorism grows, you're going to get more lone wolves, more rogues, and you're going to get probably some more uh, small-scale violence. So I'm not saying nonstop. I'm not saying it's going to be on the level of Hezbollah. I'm not saying yeah. anything like that. I'm just saying more kind of these one-off incidents by kind of guys or gals who are disconnected but been connected to the ideology but are kind of disconnected from a group, I do think you're going to see that. And you have seen recently 
more of more of them uh, because traditionally a lot of them have have denied that they should do something like this, uh, starting gun clubs. And I'm all for Second Amendment rights, so whatever, whatever. But when you have a group that's saying we're going to – you know, if they say this kind of rhetoric, we're going to slaughter white people in the future, <laughs> and then they're also carrying guns, it's not ideal. you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a lot of them have denied that you should do that, like I said, but you're getting a slow uptick in some of the kind of Hebrews-like gun club type groups. Yeah. And uh, it's like, ah, oh, man, that's the kind of camp that's probably going to produce one of these lone wolves who are going to come out. But uh, – you know, I, I, I they definitely threaten me a lot. I that you know, oh, I, so yeah. But uh, fortunately, I'm still in one piece. But you know, if something happened to me out there on the street, as long as I wasn't dead, it'd be one of the most like best publicity movements ever for the ministry. Now, I'd probably rather not get punched right. and kick and lose teeth and stuff like that, and and have and be punched in a kidney. And you know, I'd probably rather not have that. You know what I mean? Uh, so I don't really want the publicity, but if that ever happened, man, you talk about you talk about blowing up, it would be crazy what would happen. So it's in their best interest not to to That's do right. that kind of thing out there. It's, it it would not go, would not be a good idea, and it's good. It would actually probably bring added attention to them by even authorities, not because I'm important or whoever, because authorities are going to kind of notice that kind of thing. So yeah. uh, just keep your eye on it, but at the same time, hey. Bold as lions, yeah. We gotta be bold as lions, you know. That's right. That's right. And then you know, ultimately, because you are an evangelist, now I'm an evangelist. I mean, I do apologetics for the purpose of evangelism, not to have a bigger head. Um, and uh, the reality is that uh, it's eternally dangerous, right? It's dangerous for them. We want these guys to get saved, man. We want them to know Jesus. I mean, we tell them, like Augustine said, right? We tell them because we love them. That's just the reality. And so it's not mm -hmm. because we want to pick on them. It's, not, it's none, nothing like that. It's it's because we genuinely care about the eternal, you know, destiny of folks, whether they're Hebrew Israelites or Muslims or Mormons or whatever, right? Atheists. Um, we genuinely want people to know Jesus and and live a God honoring, uh, faithful to Christ life. Especially, we don't want people to be, you know, bamboozled by a doctrine that promises them eternal life by keeping the law as they would say, uh, and actually it, it is not, you know, it's, it's going to lead to their eternal damnation. And so we, we genuinely care about people uh, apart from, you know, all that stuff. If anybody's interested, by the way, I, I would recommend people do PhDs in this stuff, right? To look at the sociological trends and if anybody's getting a degree in sociology stuff, this is a group that would be, it would be really nice to do an academic study and produce good content to say, here's kind of the trends, here's how they split up. So, um, uh, just an encouragement. I just throw it out there for anybody who wants to do that. Uh, it's it's extremely important. Um, uh, so I want to go back to someone asked the question: Can you prove that they are not Israelites? Yeah, I think that's pretty easy to do, by the way, uh, because of their claims. So they do distinguish between uh, Africans and themselves, right? Uh, mm -hmm. th this is something a lot of people don't realize because a lot of people think that they're saying all black people are Israelites. That is not a claim they make, as far as my observation of them. Uh, they are specifically speaking about oppressed people groups in America, people who were brought to America as slaves, um, being uh, the Israelites. And then some of them go beyond that, where they're talking about natives, right? So you're talking about Native Americans and, um, and various native groups and stuff like that. I'll let Vocab talk on this uh, and explain a little further. The reason why I think it's easy, by the way, it's because of where I'm located currently. Uh, I'm currently located in Armenia. 
Here's why, okay? In this region, there have been Jews, Israelites, living since the Babylonian days, okay? I was in Georgia last November, and I actually sent some articles and uh, some historical kind of stuff to vocab on this. Um, I was in Georgia in Tbilisi, extremely old city, and I was staying what's called uh, the old old part of Tbilisi, and there is a Jewish community there. I was actually staying amongst the Israelites of Tbilisi, and as I was interacting with folks, one of the things that I realized was, wait, there's two sorts of Jews in here, <laughs> in, the, in this region. So I asked, as a matter of fact, there's two different synagogues. And so I asked why that's the case. And somebody said to me, uh, someone who knows the context very well, said, well, one of the groups are Eastern European Jews, what, what is commonly referred to as Ashkenazi Jews, who've, mm-hmm. who, who've come to Georgia. The other group has been here since the Babylonian exile. They never went back. They can trace their lineage that far. Okay? And so that's, that, that's just not the only one, right? Um, uh, what's called Nachichevan. Um, I'll, I'll put a political statement out there, which is historic Armenian lands. Uh, but it's been controlled by Persians, the Persian Empire at one point in like the 1600s. Um, currently, it's in the hands of Azerbaijan. If you go and just do a very basic Wikipedia search, you will see that there was Jews living in that region, thousands of them. Um, Iranian Jews who've been there since, again, the Babylonian time, right, in the Persian Empire. There's Iranian Jews. Guess what they don't look like? I'm, I'm talking biologically physical looks. These people have a very unique uh, lineage, right? They, they haven't, uh, with the exception of the Iranian Jews, they, they've actually intermarried uh, with, with Persians. But with some of the other groups, they've kept their lineage, like, Jewish. Even if they hadn't, guess what they do not look like? They do not look like what the Hebrew Israelites say the Jewish people, all the Israelites, look like. What I mean by that is they don't look African. That's just the reality of it. Um, you can come here and go interact with them and talk to them and talk about their ancestry. The Hebrew Israelites can come, go to Georgia, man, go sit down and talk with these people and look at their ancestry. And so why do I mention this? Is because... Hebrew Israelites are, are uh, like a lot of cults, right? Um, will be developed in, uh, in a certain context. So it's, it's within the American context. It's, again, um, maybe this is not like right on, but Mormonism with kind of this alternate history that Mormons have, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you study the world and you look at stuff, um, it's like, oh, that's not the case. I actually had a Hebrew Israelite who was trying to convince me that I was a Hebrew Israelite because, you know, um, people were brought into this region and he was, you know, Googling and finding stuff and saying, people were brought into that region and, and you're probably one of them and all this stuff. You know, he's trying to throw me into the entire... I was like, dude, I know my ancestry. That's just not the case. And even if it was, um, it doesn't really look like, you know, what, whatever you're saying is just looks-wise. It's not the case. So I, I say that because my next question for vocab is, what's up with the alternate history? And then when you compare that to world history, I mean, like historians sit there. How many historians, without you coming up with some kind of a 
conspiracy theory that, oh, they're against us or whatever like that. And that's why the white man is trying to erase our history or something like that. Like you look at historians across the world. They're not going to agree with their alternate view of history. And this comes with other stuff, by the way. And I, I've, you can correct me on this. Is there also a trend of like flat earthers amongst Hebrew Israelites? Because I've noticed that. And I don't know whether that's a group thing or that was an individual or something like that. Uh, yeah, the flat earth thing is not an official position. But uh, who knows, maybe a quarter of Hebrew Israelites I run into are flat earthers as hmm. well. Okay. Some of them tie the two things together. It seems basically to be uh, uh, almost similar reasons why they accept Hebrewism is why they accept a flat earth, a readiness to believe conspiracy theories, and a lack of uh, research ability. Mm. Okay, so the, the, the alternate history, right? Uh, we're the real Jews. Um, does this con get connected to Solomon and kind of, uh, you know, this Jewish thing that goes into Ethiopia? Uh, well, okay, so um, when Hebrew Israelism first began sprouting up in the United States, specifically black Israelism, um, this is the 1880s, 1890s. I saw someone in the live chat asking about F.S. Cherry and William S. Crowdy. They're the first leaders that we are aware of, 1880s, 1890s. And then by the early 1900s, you had a couple key congregations, especially in Harlem. And uh, a number of those congregations, these Hebrews like congregations that looked a lot more like they were practicing black Judaism, hmm. really, than a lot of the groups today. They're a lot more connected to that kind of structure as far as what they did and didn't do, you know, bar mitzvahs and things like that. Hmm. Well, uh, they they believe what they were saying was biblical and historical, but you know, all the memes hadn't been invented yet and stuff like that. And so what a lot of them do would do is connect themselves to Ethiopia because it was the only way they could see to connect African peoples to a larger Jewry. And so if you look at a lot of the early Hebrews like congregations, especially in Harlem, they would talk about the Ethiopians or have the term Ethiopian in there. Uh, thing and a lot of them had no actual connection to Ethiopia. Yeah. They didn't know Ethiopians. They, you know, it was just it was their way to kind of try to connect the two things. And of course, to anyone who knows a little bit about the transatlantic slave trade, connecting yourselves to Ethiopia, um, even if it is, uh, to be honest, a farcical thing, wouldn't even get you what you need to get if you're trying to argue for Hebrew Israelism, because how many of the enslaved persons were taken out of Ethiopia? Mm -hmm. Not so much. They were taken from the west coast of Africa. Uh, so Ethiopia would be irrelevant to whether black Americans would be Israelites or not, even if you did want to make the connection to Ethiopia. Right. So the older groups did try to connect themselves to Ethiopia. Uh, and that was seen eventually by a lot of them as sort of a failed project or a misguided way. And they found other ways to essentially Israelize large chunks of western Africa – during and prior to the transatlantic slave trade and then try to say and that's where we're from this is where a whole alternative history developed and so um the uh the ethiopian jews of today are really not connected to the hebrew israelites in any serious way and in fact a lot of the folks who claim to be jews in ethiopia were persecuted by muslims and christians it seems to a certain extent and so israel has got a lot of them out of there 
Uh, yeah. A lot of them actually live in Israel today. Right. So you yes. have a large percentage. And that that is different than the African Hebrewsites of Jerusalem that I mentioned earlier who live in Demona. They came from the south side of Chicago, then went to Liberia. This is in the 60s and 70s, mm -hmm. and then ended up in Israel and now have developed a sizable presence in something they call the Village of Peace, three to 5,000 people maybe. No one's exactly sure because they don't keep birth records. So the African Hebrewsites of Jerusalem are not to be confused with the Ethiopian Jews. The Ethiopian Jews are very interesting. You know, they're called Falasha. They don't like that term because it means like cider. Call themselves Beta Israel, I believe. Mm -hmm. They um they're interesting because they do have a Semitic language, and there's I, I hear mixed reports on the DNA evidence. So I have not drawn a firm conclusion myself yet. I have got a lot of different information, and it's kind of it's a very fascinating thing. There's evidence that they could just be ancient converts to Christianity, a more Judaic form of Christianity. There's evidence mm -hmm. that way. There's evidence that there could be some Semitic DNA presence among them. See, Semitic DNA being present among the population is different than sort of equating it one-one to being sort of Jewish, because even if, let's say, that uh, during the days of Solomon, there was like a because that's where the myth comes from a lot of times that, that, that this this Israelite injection happened during the days of Solomon. Even if you had during the days of Solomon, uh, you know, an offspring that was from the queen and Solomon, that's a guy who's half Israelite. Yeah. And then if he is having children all the way up to 2020. Who's he? They're marrying the other Ethiopians the whole time. Yeah. You're talking about an extremely, even if that legend was true, because it seems to be partially legend. Let's just say it's true. You got to understand that's like a massive delusion, not delusion, I'm sorry, diluting yeah, that is happening diluting, yeah. going on. So people are making these claims, really focusing on bloodline. And we got to kind of like, like, let's be honest about what the bloodline, like, this is going to be a very minimal presence, right? So that that's in relationship to Ethiopian Jews. So most of the Hebrews lights nowadays actually view Ethiopians as Hamites who are going to be their slaves in the future. That's the one West variety. That's yeah. not all Hebrews lights. That's the guys in the street corner. So their modern day view of of Ethiopians, if they're in a one West camp, is actually they're just Hamites who are going to be right. enslaved like everybody else. Most of them say that. There's other ones. Other Hebrews lights who are more friendly towards the Ethiopian Jews and and say no, those are those are that's more evidence of our people being in Africa. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you have a variety of perspectives. The Ethiopian Jews themselves seem disconnected from a lot of this modern American argumentation, though, from what I've been able to tell. And the fascinating connection, though, is there's a strange connection with Rastafarianism. Rastafarianism has Black Israelism in it, hmm. and that's why they have the Lion of the Tribe of Judah imagery. And uh, there's there's a lot of aspects and uh, Ethiopians who have claimed to be of Israelite ancestry traditionally have claimed to be from the tribe of Dan. That's what they've claimed. And so there's all these variety of political and different factors going on. But Ethiopia has become somewhat of a debtor issue for most modern day American Hebrew Israelites. It's that's not really where um, the energy of the argument really is anymore. Although in the beginning, when they're trying to latch onto something, it certainly was. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that answers the question. You can see this is kind of. It gets very complicated. Of course. And you know, as, as a lot of historical stuff, and that that kind of goes back to you know this, uh, well, where they try to argue for history in this very simple sense. His, listen, the the movement of people groups is extremely complicated. Again, I'm going to say, especially in this region, man, because 
you know, the, the way the Assyrians did their conquering, the, the way the Babylonians did their conquering, even even in the, um, you know, in the 90s BC or starting at that point when the Armenian Empire was extremely large. A lot of people aren't aware of this, by the way. The Armenian Empire went from um, Caspian to the Black to the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and as a matter of fact, a portion of it went into like Syria and Israel. That's how large it was. Um, there was movement groups. I speak to people here who tell me there's villages in Armenia that have Jews living in it. Now, I haven't personally been in these villages. But again, this would go back that long, guys. Right? So, um, you, you have to be very like the you know, Semitic kind of stuff, Assyrians, Kurds. There's so many different people groups in this region. You just can't wrap your mind around it. I, I've tried. There's so many different dialects and so many different languages in, in this Caucasus region. It's insane. A lot, there's a lot of good YouTube videos you can watch on this. Um, so uh, you got someone said, well, you know, Wikipedia research. By the way, I don't when I say Wikipedia research, <laughs> I, don't, I don't consider Wikipedia research like authentic research in that sort. But it's you know it gets you some references and and, and you can move on from there. Um, Vocab's got a couple of books with him, and I, I want him to showcase those. And and sh so again, we want people to be educated on these subjects. Uh, you you can't just say we can't trust the the books and the literature people are producing because there's this gigantic conspiracy by white people to keep our identity down and not really show be, just because they don't agree with you just because their research doesn't agree with you right like uh, for for example you can't argue with me and try to convince me I'm a Hebrew Israelite because of certain factors right that's just like you can't do that it, it's, it's dumb uh, but so Volcamp, you got a couple of books with you for, for people who are interested in reading, uh, especially on this historical kind of uh, stuff. Yeah. So if you want to know, because we didn't necessarily get into the whole um, alternative history That's that right. the Hebrews yeah. lights create, we touched on it. This is the main book that they have. It's almost like you actually see videos of them where they have their, their KJV, mm -hmm. their Apocrypha and this. But if they have a third book, a lot of times it's this. So it's called From, from Babylon, Babylon to, to Timbuktu. To. From Babylon to Timbuktu, published by Rudolf R. Windsor. And uh, it covers a whole variety of subjects, and you've got to really um, – you got to really – So this is their historian, it, you know, essentially their alternate history. This, this would be the guy that would be the historian within their house. Yeah, and and, and 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 he doesn't accept Jesus as Messiah, but you still get a whole lot of um, uh, people who kind of use this. This is this is the spinal cord, I think, of the way they read history. I would, I think, that's the way I would maybe say this is like the spinal cord, the backbone of the way that they read history. So let me give you an example, actually. Of uh, let me give you an example, like of how this is phrased. And the way it's kind of uh, teased out, it's uh, here. Here's the section, page 92. Eldad the Danite. In the ninth century, a black African Hebrew arrived in the city of Caron in Algeria. Now, see, just stopping right there. This book constantly does this. It constantly will assign colors to people, and you don't ever know if you can trust him when he's saying someone's black. Because a lot of times, if it's a Hebrew, he just will say they're black. The book constantly does this. Hmm. So just right there, and the problem— Maybe a guy really did arrive, but it doesn't mean he was a black African Hebrew. 
but he puts black African in front of Hebrew. You see what I'm saying? So we'll see. A black African Hebrew arrived in the city of Karon in Algeria. In the city was one of the famous Talmudic schools. The name of this Hebrew was Eldad the Danite. He told a credible story of a Hebrew empire south of the Sahara in the western Sudan. According to Eldad the Danite, the Hebrews in the interior of Africa spoke a Phoenician Hebraic language mixed with Arabic. They had a religion which had come down from Moses and a Hebrew emperor. It was believed that this emperor was named Tulutan or Bultan. Eldad said that the people of this tribe had fled from the kingdom of Israel after Sennacherib, the Assyrian, had subdued it, and that other Israelite tribes such as Naphtali, Gad, and Asher were in the land from which he came. He told the laws of Moses, which they followed, the complete series of scriptures except Esther and Lamentations. He did not speak of the legal works that produced. So you go on, and, and he talks about this whole thing, about this credible story and uh, all this, and the whole book is like that, like— there's this person, they did this, I'm going to describe their color. But the problem, a major problem is you can't ever, hardly ever find a his source for anything. Hmm. So, you know, like what's the source for any of this? Like forget about it because it's horribly sourced. Let me see. I'd be curious to see how he sourced the one I just read, for example. Let's see, note 52. So the whole book is like this, this leads you on a rabbit trail. Uh, yeah, so here the source he gave was Solomon Grazel's A History of the Jews. The Jewish Publication Society of America. That's all. That's that's all he gave for the section I just read. I can guarantee you this book by the Jewish Publication Society that he sourced here never says the guy was a black Hebrew or anything mm. like that. And I I wonder what else is inaccurate. But the whole book is is like that, and so it gives a whole picture of like the world of of and it basically ends up with, and so you got a bunch of Jews in Africa, and if you're in America, you're probably a descendant of them. You know what I'm saying? So that that's to kind of get their alternative history. But uh, if you want to see the the actually the whole m history of the myth of the lost tribes of Israel anyway, this is a secular work, but there's really nothing else like it. It's called The Lost Tribes of Israel, The History of a Myth, Tudor Parfit. Tudor Parfit is a really interesting kind of modern-day Indiana Jones almost author who writes a lot up on this. And uh, huh. he, he talks about how there's been this myth of – Lost tribes and like all kinds of places all over the world. People have been like, hey, the lost tribes are here. Lost tribes are there. I mean, let me just read one page, 141 from this. The notion that the Afghans were of Jewish extraction became even more widespread and is still popular. In 1928, as the Boston Herald noted, a controversy was caused by the visit of the king and queen of Afghanistan to England over the so-called Jewish origin of the Afghan people. As to the Afghans, quite a number of British officers well acquainted with them were said to be strong believers in the Hebrew, uh, in it, I'm sorry, in, in the Hebrew theory. So a bunch of British officers believe Afghans hmm. were actually Hebrews. And what are the evidence in its favor? One thing which travelers sometimes tell us after investigation on the spot is that nearly all the Afghan women and many of the men are of a distinctly cast, a distinctly Jewish cast of countenance. So this is a quote from the Boston Herald, whatever that means, a distinctly yeah. Jewish cast of countenance. And that a large number of them have Jewish Christian names, such as Ibrahim for Abraham, Ayub for Job, Ayub for David. David, Ishmael, Ishmael, for Isaac, you get the idea. The Afghans, moreover, are known to recognize a common code of unwritten law, which appears to resemble the old Hebraic law, though it's though it has been modified by Mohammedan ordinances. And eager as are the subjects of the king of Afghanistan to claim Hebrew dis descent, there's little likelihood of them joining the Zionist. And even – I'm trying to explain this. It's saying even though they, they say that they're Hebrews, they're not going to become Zionists. Of them joining the Zionist movement or, or swelling the 20th century migration to the Holy Land. 
And so this is one little section where he's he's going. He goes. He shows how there's a legend of lost tribes in India, legend of lost tribes in China, and all these different like legends because um, it was like when the Assyrians came and spread people out. It's like where did they go? Maybe we find them. Maybe they're like still together. But you know these kind of things. And I mean, <laughs> Afghans. You know, it's ironic because you know now, now most Afghanis are, are Islamic. So you'd have this weird thing where, uh, hey, we might be of Hebrew origin, but we're Muslims and don't. It's, so it's very yeah. bizarre. Uh, but but like this is stuff that's been around, and the Hebrewites will take like some of this as evidence when they want, but then they ignore contrary evidence. It's a whole thing. But that's a good book too. You want to get into the DNA question? Here's a good book: DNA and tradition. Hmm. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kleiman. Again, I don't ever, ever agree with everything any book has, but this has very interesting stuff to kind of get you started on the question about connection to DNA and, and stuff like that. Uh, there's a couple more books that would have. Maybe the last one I would uh, recommend, recommend here is, um, let's see. The, this, this, so these these are just kind of get you to understand these, these, these larger issues better, but they're not necessarily going to give you like apologetic uh, issues like here's another one called the colors of Jews and this just talks about uh, diversity among modern day Jewry and it's helpful to understand that the world's not just black and white and the Jews aren't just black and white That's right. you know what I mean there's a lot more diversity in it than a lot of the Hebrews like seem to recognize and so it's problematic because uh, they'll ask you a question and anytime you give like a sophisticated or complicated answer it's like, oh, no, and they just want this quick ready-made microwave stuff for out there in the street or whatever, but that's not a really good way to do research. It makes for good memes, but doesn't make yeah. for good uh, good academic research, and so a lot of this stuff is not really based upon solid evidence in any way, but they put it all together, and to them, it's irrefutable. And so that's why they say someone like me who's somewhat familiar with some of their evidence, they believe it's a clear sign I'm a true devil because to see as much evidence as I do and not recognize that they're Israelites – I have to be uh, uh, like of Satan. Uh. There's been some who have speculated that I'm like, uh, like the reincarnation of Haman or 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 some some you know they'll name some wicked person, some really wicked person from the past on uh, the reincarnation of that person. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because and they of that mean that reason. literally, right? Because they, they yeah they yeah. they believe in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not all of them, but the ones who do. Yes. Yes. So that's important to get out there. Uh, because that that is you know when you're talking about this, um, as we come to a close, someone asked uh, to give a you know honest exegetical kind of reference to Revelation two nine where it speaks about um, <clears throat> so this is in the letter uh, you know to Smyrna uh, it says I know your tribulation and your poverty but you are rich and the blasphemy by those who say that they are Jews and are not but are synagogue of Satan and then there's Revelation three. Um, nine as well. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down uh, that I have uh, kept the word. Uh, sorry. Uh, oh, I misread there. I will make them come down and bow at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Um, it's very interesting because you'll see a lot of uh, Hebrew Israelites on the streets making white people bow in front of them. Um, I don't know whether this is the passage they proof text, you know, bow before us, kiss our shoes, and all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, they're into that. Yeah, um, give an honest exegetical study. Listen, um, 
maybe one day I'll do like a quick course on hermeneutics and genre um, and, and all that stuff. The, the reality is you can't just look at Bible passages uh, and then say, oh, look at here. This, you know, this is fits this kind of narrative. Therefore, it must be that. That's like the best eisegesis that you can possibly do. Um, it's the same thing uh, Hebrew Israelites do, and I'll come back to this and answer it. When they say, oh, look, you know, Jesus is portrayed with, uh, you know, curly hair and wool-like hair and, it, you know, bronze skin and all this stuff, and he must be black. That That's why that's the reference, without actually accepting the fact that this is uh, apocalyptic genre and apocalyptic genre has got some crazy stuff in there, like dragons coming out of the sea and little horns with big mouths talking. I mean, if we're all going to look at that stuff literally, then, hey, guess what you're going to have to believe? You know, the Pacific Ocean is going to develop a gigantic dragon that's got a little horn with a big mouth that makes great boasts. Um, you know, so, so you get into all sorts of issues. Um, if you're looking at Revelation 2, you got to look, you know, you got to look at the, the text. And clearly it's the Smyrna. Clearly there's a group of individuals there who are most likely claiming to be Jews or are Jews themselves and are teaching doctrine contrary to that of the gospel of Jesus. It could be that they're Judaizers, which is ironic because that's exactly what the Hebrew Israelites are trying to do, get people to go back to the law. And the New Testament mm -hmm. teaches that we're not under the law, that we're under grace, right? Um, and, and that we have freedom in Christ. And, and so uh, this is clearly, I mean, read Galatians, right? Go, go read the book of Galatians. You'll get a good picture of what's going on with Judaizers and telling people they got to get circumcised, they got to become Jews. Read Acts chapter 15. Um, I know. I mean, there's just so many references in scripture you can go to and, and do your exegetical stuff. Coding verses that might fit your narrative is not good biblical studies for anyone. This is not like there's a lot of preachers that do this stuff, right? Word faith, uh, you know, preachers who like to teach health and prosperity do this. They go to the Old Testament. They grab a passage about someone becoming rich and they go, hey, look at that. Promises of God. It's in the Bible. And it's like, oh, that's nonsense. You haven't done your due diligence in studying the Bible. So always be concerned about the larger context of the uh, of the text and what's going on. Um, th that's my comment on that without jumping into you know another hour of explanation. That, that's, that's good. That's true. It's exactly right. You know, uh, one thing that's interesting, so in Revelation 2.9, uh, what's being said there is, hey, you guys are getting persecuted because notice, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. Um, this Jesus' way to say to this local church there mm -hmm. in Smyrna, hey, I know you're getting persecuted and have been made financially poor because of the situation. And it appears that the persecution was being done in this instance by people who would be ethnically Jewish, right? Because the next line, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw you, some of you, into prison. And so you see there that who's the one that seems to be leading the persecution in this instance for the local church? It seems to be those who are organized religiously and ethnically as Jews. And so that's that's who who they would say they were. But this says they are not. They're a synagogue of Satan. Now, now how how could that be? Jesus is saying that they have no legitimate claim to the name. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that John wrote Revelation. He's the human author. And guess what? John also wrote the Gospel of John. And when you go to John chapter 8, 
verse 39 through 44, you have the perfect background to understand because Jesus says to Jews, ethnic, religious That's Jews, right. yes, you're of the father, you're of the father, you're devil. And, yeah. the, and the reason is, is he's saying you have the same characteristics of him. You're not really children of Abraham because that's what they were bragging about in that context, right. in essence. We're the sons of Abraham. We've always kept the law. He's, he's saying, no, no, you're really your father. That's your real. So it's, it's he's saying you're not really a, a Jew. You're not really a son of Abraham. You're really of your father, the devil. Same idea is present here in, in John's work in Revelation 2.9 as Jesus says this. And it's interesting. Both times it's. Uh, it's Jesus and it's in John's work. And so you look at that and then match it up with, a, say, Paul's writing of Romans 2, 12 through 29, and you get a complete picture. And so it's saying you're the opposite of really being uh, sons of, of, of God, being chosen people, because really you're part of the synagogue of Satan. And notice the similarity there of your father, the devil right. of the synagogue of Satan. That's literally the same idea. And the whole thing, shows something contrary to most Hebrews like exegesis, <laughs> which is this. In the New Testament, God is defining his people in relationship to Jesus, not genealogy. Amen. And that's what's so fascinating about this, because they want to go working hard overtime to try to claim to be of the genealogy of Abraham. But the Bible itself is even saying, you're not defined by your relationship to Abraham, genealogically speaking. Your relationship to Christ, to Jesus, your relationship to Abraham in the sense of he also was a person of faith who believed what God said and was counted unto him unto righteousness. That's how you're defined. So it's it's your connection to Jesus, not your connection to genealogy. Revelation 2.9 and 3.9 literally show that. And what's fascinating is Hebrews lights miss all that. Work overtime to say they're the real Jews, then say this passage is talking about fake Jews. Yeah. Such Here's a perversion. So crazy, though. Yeah, it's such a perversion. The reality yeah. is that, you know, even yeah. Paul's use, even Paul's use about the circumcision of the heart, right? Going from the circumcision of the flesh, which would be a genealogical identity. Yeah. Um, which was never a geneal genealogical identity in the first place, by the way. You look at the Old Testament, you get a number of people who convert, right? Like David's family line, you get you know you you get individuals who are not descendants of Abraham genealogically, because even in the Old Testament context, it's a question about worshiping Yahweh. Um, even in the Exodus, you get a bunch of Egyptians that go with Israel um, out of the Exodus. That's clearly mentioned makes, in the Scripture. So genealogies yeah. uh, genealogies never the issue. As a matter of fact, the reality is that uh, people who worship Yahweh become a part of Israel. And in the, under the New Covenant, same thing. The, the, the gospel is for the world. And people who worship Jesus are now the descendants, descendants of Abraham because we're no longer looking at the physical circumcision, physical descendancy, but it is a descendancy. You could, you could say it's a spiritual descendancy. It's being a part of Jesus' family, right? Jesus being the head of the church. Um, and that this, that this is why Hebrew Israelites... What they need to do is redefine terms, redefine ideas, redefine what Gentile means, redefine what Israel... Because if they don't, the narrative falls apart. Um, it, you, you can't, it won't, the bucket won't carry water. That's why you got to redefine what it means to be uh, you know, an Edomite or what it means to be a Gentile. right? Like it's, it's all a redefinition. And this is why the historical kind of conversation is extremely important. Um, 
Uh, now, some I, we got to end here because I, I told vocab an hour and we're coming up on an hour and a half here. We actually passed this. Uh, there's a guy in here who's just been posting scriptures and telling us that we're blocking scripture, that we're lost because um, high life. Um, dude, you know, I don't know whether that's like a, a legitimate description of your life. Uh, I hope it's not. And I hope you don't mean high, like if you mean high, like kind of, you know, you're high up. Uh, it, it's a bit different than if you're actually like just smoking to get high. Now, that that's a serious issue there, man. You got to get that taken care of. Um, we're not blocking scripture, but you can't just jump onto someone's channel and just continually post Bible passages, which vocab and I would, it's like, oh, Proverbs 17, 27. He that knoweth, uh, uh, he, sorry, he that hath knowledge separates his words, separates his words, and a man of understanding is of excellent spirit. Listen, we agree with that. Amen to that. But that doesn't mean anything. Like, you're not telling us anything like, okay, is there a question? Is there a comment? Do you want to come to oh, just just read the Bible, right? Like, we're not going to be against that, but read the Bible in its proper context, with proper exegesis, proper understanding, proper theology. Uh, you know, it's just like, the, we can't have this. I know it's spam, Bjorn. Uh, I mean, it's just... Um, so I want to well, call... Uh, uh, go ahead. Watch, I could go through these real fast. Watch this. Uh, the first one I see is Romans 9, 4. Who are Israelites to whom pertain to the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? And so Hebrew Israelites would use that to say, well, look, is this anybody else? So the whole context of Romans 9 through 11 is very important to understand. And in there, Paul says, not all who are, <laughs> ch are, are children of Abraham are his offspring. Yeah. He go. literally says it right there in verse, uh, let me see, uh, verse, verse, verse 7. Not all, are children of, not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. That's right. And so uh, you go on and, and, and you keep on going and you find that Paul says things like um, uh, not all who are of Abraham or Abraham, not of Israel, Israel. So it's funny you're saying this, but what's the whole thing about? The whole book is about justification by faith. And right. that shows how it's not by bloodline. Again, it's through Jesus, not genealogy. It's by clinging to Christ, not clinging to Israel. And so Romans 9, 4, it's Paul just saying, look, don't discount the Israelites because their historical pedigree is important. But remember, he's already condemned them along with Gentiles in Romans 1, 2, and 3. So they're already deemed as needing a savior, and it's not going to be through the law. So I understand you're using that verse, but I'm not sure if you understand what it really means. Acts 2.39, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Uh, now there they would use that a lot of times to be like, well, so this is for Israelites. Fascinating enough is the sentence, and to all that are far off. Because if you have the Israelites there and their children, that in, in essence is all the Israelites. Those who are far off. If you want to take the Israel-only perspective, you're going to have to say it's the Jews who are scattered abroad. But if you study the background to that passage, a lot of times in its Old Testament usage, those who are far off referred to non-Israelite peoples. So even in the verse you posted, you probably don't realize there's evidence that Peter is saying, and to non-Israelite peoples. And I'll give you the example of what I mean. Read Ephesians 2. It speaks about Gentiles who were far away from the commonwealth of Israel or far off from the covenant. So that language of being far off actually refers to non-Israelite peoples. And the Old Testament usage of it will show you. And you can look. Look up that phrase and you'll see what I'm saying. So that's fascinating. And even the verse after that says, as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
The Bible never says that God only only calls Israelites. And in Acts 10, you see that exact thing where Cornelius and a number of other Gentiles are called and Peter is shocked. Yeah. So read the rest of the book, right? And so uh, I just I could, you just show how even these verses that he's using, you know what I'm saying, you could go through real quick. Matthew 5, 18, uh, for verily I say unto you to heaven and earth pass away, not one and draw until she be but I was passed with the wall that all be fulfilled. Jesus came to fulfill the law, no doubt about that. But Amen. guess what? Since he did come to fulfill the law, that's why we don't have to keep Sabbath regulations and be circumcised, and we don't have to have the same dietary restrictions because Jesus Jesus fulfilled the law. That's right. And and the so, book of Hebrews makes this very, very clear that uh, in fulfilling the law, Jesus made the old covenant obsolete because the new covenant is much greater. We have a greater high priest, right? We have a better covenant. We have a better promise. We are in the rest of God. I mean, just read the book of Hebrews. Um, and he's just going to, he's just going to keep posting this stuff. And I don't want to, uh, you know, yeah, just to show you, though, you, yeah, you no, could do no, that no, with all the verses. You know, we could just do that with all of those. Amen. I mean, again, here's a thing that you can't take sentences in anybody's conversation, whether that's literature or, or a conversation that people are having, and just say, they speak for themselves. Here you go. Like, or, or you know, it's ultimately comes down to, I don't know, I, I was going to say this earlier on, it ultimately comes down to, we are a special people we have special privileges in understanding this stuff that you guys don't have because, I don't know, um, you're from Satan, you're the devil, you're ignorant, you're lost, whatever it may be, right? Um, and it really reminds me of Gnosticism, vocab. Because mm -hmm. this, like, we have a secret knowledge. I mean, mm -hmm. this has been there, this kind of ideology has been there from the beginning of Christianity, that there's always been this separatist groups uh, coming out from Christianity saying we have secret knowledge we have special knowledge that you guys don't have access to and that's why we get this stuff and you don't right um, I don't know whether all Hebrew Israelites say that or just some of them say it but it's, it's always an easy way to justify um, your belief system because hey why do I need to defend myself against vocab uh, if he doesn't have access to the secret knowledge that we have just and I have the secret knowledge just by nature of being an Israelite, right? Like, like genetically, I understand texts that I read because I'm of this people. Like, I, it's kind of like I'll give you this argument, right? Philosophers like to use this a lot. Um, if I, if me and Vocab were staying at a hotel, right, and I went up to Vocab, and this is a you can't defeat this argument. There's no way you win this argument um, uh, against me. I went upstairs and I say, hey, Vocab, guess what? I just saw a pink elephant in the lobby typing away on his Mac. And vocab said, no way. I said, hey, come down with me. We can verify it. We walk downstairs. Vocab says, see, I don't see anything. And I say, man, that's because you're not a part of the elect. Only special people see this. God has chosen to reveal this to me. You can't see it because whatever, you're from the devil. You're not a, a part of the select group of people, right? He loses. There's no way he can beat me, right? Or vocab comes down and says, oh, man, look at that. I see the elephant. And I go, vocab, you too, man? We must be really special. We've been elected for this special task. We win. I win the argument either way. And I'll relate this to an argument for the resurrection. The disciples had a very, could have had a very easy way of, you know, preaching Christianity. And all they needed to say is Jesus rose spiritually and us special people get to witness that. Anybody rejecting this is from Satan. But they didn't. 
The disciples argued for a physical resurrection that could be verified, right? They could have gone to the tomb and looked at it and said, hey, here's a body. And even if they did that, the disciples would have said, so what? You produce the body. We are a special group of people that get to experience this. Be aware of this stuff, guys. You know, you can't just say, I'm special. I can understand this stuff. You can't. And anything you say against it is because you're living in the dark. You, you, there's no way you can understand this stuff. It's literature, right? The Bible is the word of God. I strongly believe that. But you also have to realize the Bible is literature. The, you use a method in biblical studies, the rules that come with hermeneutical study of any text, by the way, in understanding the text. You can't quote something where literally a sentence after it says, not all of Abraham's children are actually Abraham's children. Like, you just can't do it. And, and, and just ignore it. Like, that's just, like, come on, silly, man. So, okay, with that said, we're at an hour and 40 minutes. I know, Vokab, you might be used to doing long streams, man, because you, you hang out with those guys who do three-hour streams. That's <laughs> uh, well, just my channel got demonetized. Now I keep everything about an hour. Yeah. Ever since the channel got demonetized because mm. uh, I don't have uh, Super Chats to subsidize it. So I'm just like, let's just keep it short, people. That's right, yeah. Well, I want to thank you, man, because it's, it's getting late for you, and uh, it's cloudy for me, and the days start to go here. I want to thank you. Thanks for... Uh, jumping on and 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 helping us out here um vocab stuff will be in the description box check out his channel subscribe guys um if you're not consume the content especially if you're if you have a heart you want to evangelize you're going to go on the streets you're going to engage these people even if it's going to be online do it well uh be be ready to give a defense for the hope that you have that is the task of apologetics and ultimately, we pray uh, that uh, people would come out of this movement and would come to know Jesus, um, the real Jesus of what the, what the Bible teaches, because we want salvation. We want to consider them as our brothers and our sisters, and we want them to live holistic lives. Um, uh, so God bless you guys. Uh, thank you for, for joining us, and we will see you. Uh, next time we'll see you soon pretty soon got some nice streams coming up check uh, next week i should have two of them some interesting topics so if you're not subscribed subscribe to my channel as well um and uh, you'll you'll be able to do that if you guys have questions you can email them you can get in contact with me and we can continue the conversations as well as vocab so any final words vocab before we go sunday night on my channel i'm having a christian apologist tiktoker on and we are going to review TikTok videos by Hebrew Israelites on TikTok and review them and look at them and give quick reactions to them and then move it. So we're going to watch a bunch of Hebrews like TikToks. I'm going to be with a TikToker who's an apologist, watch them and then go on to the next one. I've never done a show quite like this. I think it'll be very interesting to see. So Sunday night, check that out. And uh, maybe I'll see you in the live chat. Definitely. Thanks. God bless you guys. Take care.